pay. His fight managers had another way Sonny could repay them. All right, kid. You like money? Yes, sir. You like soft furs, gin martinis, riding around in nice cars? <laughs> well, yes, sir, I do. We'll take care of that. All you gotta do is keep boxing. But listen, sometimes we ask a little favor. You would do a little something for us. That sound good? I think so. What kind of favor? John Vitale and the other managers wanted to use him for another purpose besides boxing. Intimidation. When the mob needed to collect money or break some kneecaps, they sent Sonny Liston. And with his towering figure and impressive physique, he was quite effective. But this new gig didn't slow down his success in the amateur boxing circuit. Most notably, Sonny won the 1953 Chicago Golden Gloves Tournament and beat 1952 Olympic heavyweight champion Ed Sanders. That same year, he competed in the United States National Championships in Boston and in the International Golden Gloves Tournament in St. Louis. His coach, Tony Anderson, said that Sonny was the strongest fighter he had ever seen. To Sonny, the best fighter this side of the Mississippi. Nah, he'd match gloves with any chap on both sides of the river. Salute. Now, Sonny, we were thinking, with all this winning you've been doing, it's about time you swing those mitts with the pros. <laughs> that sounds great, sir, but I know I don't have the money for it. <laughs> Listen to this guy talking about money. You just leave that to us. You know we have connections. All you gotta do is just keep on being a star. Now, can we get another round over here, Barkeep? In September 1953, Sonny Liston went pro with financial backing from the mob. If his fight managers had felt at all like they were taking a risk on Sonny, their gamble paid off. Sonny won seven consecutive fights over the next year. The newly minted star was now bringing in real money, and for the first time in his life, he was able to not have the constant worry of money buzzing in the background. For the first time, too, he was known for something other than being a neighborhood menace. He was becoming famous as a boxer. Still, he may have been revered as an athlete, but he wasn't necessarily seen by the white public in a favorable light. They saw him as a violent caricature, a racial stereotype. The press often referred to him as a beast. The fame made sure that Sonny did less dirty work for the mob, but he continued to get into trouble with the police. Perhaps it was his abusive upbringing, or maybe it was simply the only life he knew. Or perhaps it was that any time Sonny ventured out of a quote-unquote black area, he was routinely stopped by the police. He was understandably frustrated by this treatment and wasn't above letting the police know it. It became a self-fueling cycle where racist cops stopped Sonny because he was black, which led to Sonny's angry and violent outbursts, which led to more stops by the police. A particularly volatile altercation with an officer occurred in 1956. Sonny was sitting in a cab with a friend when he was stopped by a policeman. Sonny claimed that the cop berated him with racial slurs. Sonny responded by grabbing the cop's gun and hitting him over the head with it. After lifting the cop in the air, he slammed him back down to the